All right. So I tried to do some intro, and usually I mess it up anyway, so I have to do it again. But if not, we just roll after that. Okay. Sounds great. Welcome to coffeeis.me podcast, where me means you, or more precisely, us. This is the show where your host, Valerian, without using any interrogation techniques, convinces coffee professionals to reveal their secrets to teach and inspire you to make better coffee and earn a few bucks on the side, if that's what you fancy. Let the show begin. Hey guys, welcome to Coffee Is Me podcast. Uh, this is another episode. I'm your host, Valerian Rala, and today I have Michel Popadziuk. Uh, did I pronounce it right? Yeah, it's more of a uh, hard J. Popajuk. It's a uh, Polish. Popajuk. Yeah. You know, you know, I'm I'm originally from Slovakia, and we we are neighbors, so Poland. But I've never really figured out how some things are pronounced in Poli- uh, Polish. <laughs> and you are a co-founder and CEO of CXT Roasting Company in Peoria, Illinois. That's correct. Welcome. Yeah, thank you so much. Glad to be here. Do you speak any Polish? I actually don't. So uh, my father came from Poland. He emigrated there um, when he was about 14 years old or so. And uh, all of my cousins and uh, my grandparents and stuff, like, they speak Polish. But when he came, um, he didn't speak any English, and it was a kind of a tough time for him. So he he sort of had the mentality that uh, his kids are, in this case, he had three three boys, of which I'm the oldest, were going to be you know all American, so to speak. So uh, we actually don't speak any Polish myself. but. Um, we try to partake in a lot of the uh, the customs and everything when we visit our family. Oh, that's awesome! So you go to Poland back? We actually, <laughs> I've actually only been to Poland once, and it was for work, so it wasn't even re- un- uh, related. But my family is over in Buffalo, New York, so they have they live here in the states. But um, yeah, we um, we haven't been to Poland as a family. Okay. Yeah. Uh... It's cool. I mean, I know that in Illinois, uh, house is a lot of like Central Europeans. Uh, I know Poles, Slovaks, you know, uh, Chicago is very famous for uh, Slovak mm-hmm. diaspora. And, you know, I'm Hungarian from Slovakia, which is even weirder because in Central Europe, it's, we are mixed like hell. So it's an okay. <laughs> interesting place. But yeah, so it's kind of cool uh, to talk to someone who is from the same region as I am, kind of, right? Kind of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Once removed. Yeah. Genetically somehow. Yeah. Mitch, do you remember your first cup of coffee? You know, I was thinking about this and because uh, I've heard you ask other, other guests and... Um, I don't know if I know my very first cup of coffee, so I have kind of a weird uh, three-part answer. I believe I, my first memory was when my cousin, I was probably in my early teens, he came to visit um, and he made, he had like a cappuccino machine. He's a couple of years older than me and he was very excited to make coffee for our um, parents and my aunts and uncles and everything. And of course they were very excited, you know, because here's this 14, 15 year old making them cappuccinos. So. I think I tried it and didn't really like it um, at the time. And I'm sure I've had a cup here or there. Just my parents drink coffee almost every morning. So I'm sure I had a cup here or there. But I specifically remember my first um, purchasing of my own volition was when I was in college. I was a, a student, probably a freshman at the University of Illinois, Illinois and I was studying um, uh, international economics and uh, international relations. I think I was studying probably just in the cafe that was sort of near the student union. And, uh, you know, some of the things I was studying, I think I just need a little pick me up. And so I went to the local cafe there and, and bought a coffee and I 
immediately put a bunch of cream and sugar in there. So that became my, um, my sort of routine is I would drink this cup of coffee for studying with cream and sugar. And uh, after a while, I started to think like, man, how many calories am I putting into this drink? <laughs> so I started dialing it back until at a certain point, more, mostly for, you know, watching my weight type of thing reasons, I started taking out the coffee, the, the cream and sugar. Um, but then my first, I would say, third wave cup of coffee happened almost maybe four years ago when my, my brother, Tristan, who's my business partner now, um, he brought home a Chemex brewer and was hand grinding the coffee. And I thought this was just wild at the time. So, <laughs> and he made, I forget the origin exactly. I'd have to ask him probably, but it was something maybe from intelligentsia or something like that. And uh, so he brewed this and I was like, what difference is this really going to make? And boy, was I surprised. Nice. You know, I have a funny story uh, about my son. I, you know, I gave my kids coffee from get-go. Well, not when they were babies, but like four or five years old, they tasted mm -hmm. it. They didn't really like it. But my son started to drink coffee when he was eight. Here and there, not really too much. But when he entered high school, he drank more and more. But he never, ever put in milk or sugar in it. Obviously, really? he was always treated yeah. with, uh, with specialty-grade coffee. So, you know, it's always nice. something nice. But my wife's, you know, her thing in the evening is decaf with milk and a little bit of sugar. And when my son saw it recently, he's 14 now, and he saw it, and he was like, what are you doing? It's so weird. How can you even have milk in coffee? And I was like, yeah, that's right. He doesn't even know that you can have milk in coffee except cappuccino, you know. But he looked at it as like... Nature. He didn't like uh, try to shame her that she doesn't doing that. He was more like, "Can you do that? And how weird is that?" You know. So, <laughs> and I know exactly how he felt because first time I saw somebody putting milk in the black tea, for me yeah, that was exactly. also the same reaction. I was like, "Oh, you can do that!" And how does it taste like? It's weird, you know. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I would I would second that about the tea because. Uh, when I started getting introduced to like sort of more of the Indian and Pakistani like teas where they use a lot of milk and everything, I was like, whoa, what? <laughs> you guys run a company called CXT and you spell it with a capital C, X and capital T. So the X is not capital. Uh, what do you Correct. call it on capital? It's a... Um, yeah, just a non-capitalized, yeah, small, small case. Small yeah, case. I, had to, I had to think there for a second. <laughs> yeah, me, I, mean, I was like, wait, I'm, it's kind of cool. Uh, it looks yeah. to me something like a prescription or something. So where does this name come from? Um, this actually kind of goes back to when we were first starting the company. So I mentioned that my brother, Tristan, is uh, my uh, the co-founder, one of the co-founders, and um, he's actually our roaster, and he's um, the guy that I, I started this company with. Uh, so his name is Tristan and he's the T. And so when we were coming up with a name, we were trying to come up with something that was, you know, reflective of like who we wanted to be. And this was way early on. This is probably before we even really started, but we were just like, um, I don't really, I was kind of worried about picking a name that would be come kind of weird in the future. Or if we were, you know, we had some interesting names that we had picked out that may have been sort of trendy at the time, but may not have that staying power. And I said, well, why don't we just kind of keep it, um, you know, simple in some ways and just call it Coffee by Tristan. And uh, wow. then it sort of formed into the, 
coffee by Tristan Roasting Company because initially I was pretty hands off. I mean, I was very supportive with my brother because he was wanting to get into roasting and start this company. And maybe this will lead into another discussion, but essentially he um, he wanted to start. And I was sort of the silent partner that says, well, you know, this is really, you know, your company and I'm going to support you because you're my brother and I love what you're doing. Um, so maybe it's the coffee by Tristan Roasting Company. You know, because the idea was he was going to do these micro lots and sell them online and that sort of thing. Um, so that's where the CXT, the X is the buy, as you sometimes know, in like a two by four or something like that. Ah, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. You know, sometimes you, I mean, when I look at your logo, it reminds me, and I said pharmacy, but it reminds me of some kind of like a formula. So it kind mm -hmm. of, for coffee, I think it kind of works. It feels that it's, you know, something precise. Yeah, and that was part of it, I think, either subconsciously or not. We uh, Tristan has a bit of a STEM background, so he was going into the medical field at the time. And uh, I had sort of an interest in engineering as well. And so we just kind of have that disposition to be sort of technical. And one of the things he got, he loved about coffee and really um, wanted, what got him really interested was just sort of the scientific and technical side of brewing and roasting. So that kind of just came through, I think, in our um, in our marketing when we were first starting. So tell me, how did you start and uh, what were your beginnings? Yeah, we, um, so I used to work for a Fortune 50 company called Caterpillar. Um, I'm not sure if, it seems like everyone should know it, but I don't know, a lot of people don't. It's a uh, mixed, yeah, large industrial equipment and everything. And I was a purchaser uh, for there. <clears throat> I was working there for probably um, five, six years and uh, it was a great company. I absolutely loved working there. But I think I have a bit of an entrepreneurial gene that was passed down to me from my mother because I was always constantly thinking in my spare time, what kind of business can I start? So I was really interested in the tech field for a while. I was thinking to like maybe create an app or um, work with some friends of mine who were in computer science to create this like social networking app that we kind of had an idea for. And quickly you start getting into a quagmire of like, well, you need a lot of money. And <laughs> I don't know if where this is really, I have the um, aptitude to actually create this sort of thing. Uh, but I think really what it showed me is that I had this desire to start a company. And uh, my, my family kind of had that as well. I mentioned my brother Tristan a lot, but my mother is also very entrepreneurial. She started a bunch of, um, you know, sort of side businesses and, and worked as a sales rep for um, some home decor companies and, and did very well at it. She's very uh, personable and a good salesperson. So we were sitting around one day and we're just like, what kind of company could we start? We're just sitting there drinking coffee. I think Tristan was even making the Chemex at that time. And I was just like, hmm, what's something we could do together? Because we all have these like sort of different skills and different interests. But our shared interest was in coffee. And it was kind of funny because then all of a sudden my mother is like, you know, I tried to start a coffee roasting company like 10 years ago. And we just both looked at her like, what? <laughs> it was like uh what and i remembered that she was actually a manager of a local cafe called um, cades for a while uh but at the time i was younger and i didn't really think much of it in, in that sense or sort of forgot about it but she she started telling us yeah i looked into buying this ambex roaster here's all this paperwork of all these things that we have and it was just like blowing my mind like wow this whole time like you had this idea to start a coffee roasting company and I'd never really considered something like that before. So literally that day we started YouTubing just how much is, uh, how to roast coffee and what's a coffee roaster cost and this kind of thing. Um, and like I said, the idea was kind of to start, uh, 
just small, um, roasting in the garage, selling online, that type of thing. This was back in 2016, very early 2016. So we, um, I had, I lived about two hours away at the time. And so I started driving home and that's when I found actually your podcast coffee is me to, or coffee is dot me. Um, I was so amped about like, how can maybe we start this coffee company? And I was like literally searching on, you know, Apple podcasts, like what coffee podcasts and whatever. And so I probably listened to um, the first three or four episodes of your podcast, like or just on the drive home that night. So it was, um, that's kind of how we got going on it. I would say um, after that, I started doing a lot more research. And um, like I mentioned, the idea was, oh, we're going to, we're going to buy a coffee roaster. So I uh, purchased the Hookie 500T. Um, yeah, it was after uh, watching YouTube videos. I think I even saw one of yours where you were talking about the one with the J pipe. Um, yeah. So I love that machine. So we were um, we were going to just do it as a hobby and maybe try to sell some online and kind of do it as a little side gig. And hey, we get some great coffee out of it in the meantime, right? So that was kind of the idea. And then uh, I don't know the laws might have changed recently, but there was one pivotal period where it was like, okay, we want to start this coffee roasting company. We're going to roast in our garage and we're selling online. And then we found out that we couldn't get a cottage food license at the time. I think they've actually changed the law now, but at the time we couldn't do it because we needed like a commercial kitchen type of thing. So that was like a period of like, okay, I've done all this research. I've been really into it and I'm really excited. And I was like, man, I don't know. Um, Maybe I'm just not, you know, I don't know what, it sounds kind of silly now, but that was just enough of like a no, like you can't get a license unless you invest in a commercial kitchen or whatever. But it's like, man, I don't know if we have um, what it takes to really do a business. So um, yeah, that was kind of the start of it. We, we decided, well, why don't we see if this is really something we want to do and invest in. And uh, we took a trip to Costa Rica to visit some coffee farms and kind of the idea of the three of us went um sort of as vacation but then also as like let's visit some coffee farms and see if this really like feels like something yeah i want to start getting into this you know it was kind of one of those this will be the make or break sort of situation of we're going to go there and if we just come back motivated and pumped you know then we'll move forward with investing and if not you know then it was a fun trip and maybe we'll stay a hobby so that's kind of how we got started we went to costa rica came back and we were absolutely jazzed i mean <laughs> i i purchased the roaster we started roasting in the garage and uh i started looking at commercial properties um to rent because i knew we needed some kind of commercial kitchen um as wow. far as the law was at the time well thanks uh this is awesome and well thanks for the uh shout out for the podcast um you know i'm always thrilled you know sometimes i meet people and they say mm -hmm. you know that i started my business because of your podcast i mean this is the best, you know, thing I can ask for, you know, I mean, I know a lot of people leave us reviews on, you know, iTunes or whatever, and that's great. That's awesome. But when somebody comes to me and says, Hey, I started business because I was inspired with your podcast. I'm always a little bit scared first because I don't know if they, if they are sorry about that, because starting a business is not easy. You know, yeah. I started business and I'm like, Oh boy, what the hell did I, what was I thinking? You know, it's like, but you know, yeah. many people are like, I'm, following my dream and whether it works or not, I don't know yet because usually these are, you know, uh, startups, but it's always, always awesome. So it's like, 
you know that's why i'm doing this yeah. you know to kind of inspire the people so thanks and uh it's pretty awesome that you you guys were listening to the podcast i mean you said that you came back from costa rica and then after that you got a new roster what was that that was the hooky 500t Oh, so sorry, we, okay. yeah, so we were, we started sample roasting and doing maybe, you know, one pound, uh, 0.75 pound batches in our, in our garage. And that was where Tristan really started taking off in terms of diving into the roasting science and everything. We got a lot of information off of the Hookie forum. So those guys are awesome. And that's another great collaboration site that we were happy to partake in. Um, yeah, so we we kind of got going that way, and we signed a lease for a property. So that was probably early March, late uh, late March, early April, maybe, mm-hmm. um, that we purchased that, and then we signed a lease uh, August fifth of the same year. So in a downtown location, we spent about three months renovating the entire um, place ourselves, and then we purchased a um, U.S. Roaster Core five kg um, roaster. <clears throat> which uh, arrived in uh, December of mm-hmm. that year. And we officially opened our doors at CXD Roasting Company on uh, December um, uh, December 5th of 2016. So Great. And yeah. uh, I was still using the, the 5K roaster? Uh, yeah. Actually, we, um, we have four roasters now. Um, yeah, well, it's not as, okay. (laughs) We, uh, two of them are are little guys. So we have the Hookie 500T and then we have an Ikawa Pro V3. Um, so those are what we use kind of for for our sample roasting and and profile development. Um, just depending on how we're kind of feeling that day, I guess. And then the, um, US Roaster 5kg we're, we're using for some of our and, um, some of our sort of small, um, small runs that we're doing for whatever special occasion or different type of roast or whatever. And then uh, we recently got a, um, a Loring 15 kg that mm-hmm. is at our new location. Okay. Right away. Question. How do you sure. match profiles from the U S core roaster and the, uh, the Loring? Uh, well, the short answer is we kind of don't. Um, okay. So I kind of mentioned that the uh, the U.S. roaster uh, we're using for kind of smaller um, special runs, and uh, that's why we kind of use the Huki and Ikawa. We kind of find that they match up pretty good. So okay. we want, yeah, we use the Huki to sort of profile for the U.S. roaster, and then we have the Ikawa that kind of, I wouldn't say it's like a hundred percent match, but it does a like a pretty decent job of of uh, lining up with what we want to do on the on the Loring. Yeah, when when you mentioned the four roasters, and I said, "Whoa, it's because yeah. my, my green plantation is the same," <laughs> because you know I always I actually wrote an article on coffeecourses.com about our mistakes when we were selecting roasters. Yeah, and I always go that you know I from get go I have I had small eyes. I did not know what it will turn into. So yeah. you know we always had to upgrade, and we didn't sell the old roasters. We as you you know we use them for special. <laughs> uh, special things and of course we need the sample roasters so we have now the hookie and i'm talking about the slovakia you know it's, we have yeah. hookie we have we bought actually a son of fresco because it's, it's it's a beautiful show but it never really works i don't know if it's a european thing that you know in europe they don't work properly or the gas or whatever but it's mm-hmm. it's you know i know that people here using them without any issue but for us you know bringing it to europe was probably a mistake 
And then uh, we have the first roaster we ever bought. It's a Garanti five kilo, you know, super cheap. And that's how we started our business. And we still use it for like small lots. And we have the Probat UG22, which, you know, we were innovating for three years. And now it's mm -hmm. kind of, you know, finally works. But those are for the bigger things like, you know, espresso blends and, you know, uh, bigger orders. So yeah, we also have a lot of roasters, but I think that most of the companies are like, what? These people are crazy. So many roasters. <laughs> I'm a bit of a collector myself. I I can't even really imagine getting rid of any of these. So yeah. <laughs> you know, I was I was saying that once we get rid of the small one, we get, get rid of our soul basically because it was mm -hmm. basically our first roaster. Well, it was the first roaster for our partnership because I partnered up with one a Slovak barista who runs the company and and manages as a CEO, cleaning lady and everything there. So, but the, my very, very first roaster, like professional is, <clears throat> I bought it in 2002 and it's a Probat LG3 from 1938. Wow. And my dad is still roasting on it and he's our competitor. <laughs> Not oh. quite, he's doing a dark roast and we're doing this, you know, specialty coffee. So that's kind of cool, but nice. 1938 and it's still running strong. It's fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, um, someday I want to start messing around with a, um, with a cast iron drum or something, something old like that. But yeah. Interesting. Yeah. No, I don't know. I, I have to say that, you know, I, I, for Amish coffee United States, I roast on Loring's and I love Loring's by the way, they like, uh, like admin panel is amazing. Their reaction mm -hmm. times when you adjust the heat is amazing. But when I do light rows, for me, it's always a little bit muddled. I don't know why is that for dark roast. I really, really love it. I mean, I don't drink that much dark roast, but our customers are crazy about uh, the dark roast done on Loring. Right. On geese and I, or also on Giesen, I really prefer the light roast or medium roast on Giesen. And I was always thinking, I'm discussing this all the time with other people and, you know, many people disagree with me. And I think that the reason why I prefer that is because I grew up with the cast iron drums and I have that profile in my mouth. So that's why I prefer it. So. Uh, yeah, it could be the, yeah, there's a little bit of a learning curve on the Loring's, especially when you switch from, yeah, like a stainless steel drum roaster or something. So. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that we felt the sort of come across a, the muddled feeling, but I can kind of see where you're going with that. Yeah. Um, Maybe I should uh, sign up for some classes for somebody who's using loading. <laughs> uh, no, seriously. Like, I mean, yeah. I, I would have to figure this out because, you know, I'm, I love to roast on a loading. It's super comfy. You know, it's just a great production machine. I mean, it, and it's not, I'm not talking that the coffee is horrible. I'm just comparing to the two roasters I roast on, you know, and yeah, it's still a super solid coffee. I'm not, I'm just, I don't know. I'll, yeah, I probably should find somebody who can help me with this, uh, figure this out. I think Loring is actually doing like their own sort of masterclass now. Um, actually Tristan, my, my partner, he, he attended that. And, uh, I think Rob who's was leading it. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, he's, he came back with some good tips and tricks from that. So, I'm I'm sure if you contacted them, they're they're pretty friendly about that kind of thing. <laughs> I won't guarantee it, but I'm sure they'll they'd be happy to help with some of the lighter roasts. I I mean, my brother is actually the roaster, so I I'm my knowledge is not as technical as his on what he's doing, but yeah. 
Yeah, I forgot to tell you that you know uh, you you are great partners. I mean, you are the business, and mm -hmm. he's the passion. Pretty much, <laughs> nice. I uh, I have that sort of um, uh, corporate background, and I'm I'm always approaching things with like uh, the sort of businessy mind, and he's kind of the uh, well, let's just wing this and try that, and um, but he has a, a real good knack for it. I have to say, um, there's something to be said about having this like the. As much science and um, technology goes into these roasters, and the Loring is a great example of that. I mean, there is a bit of a, a je ne sais quoi that goes into roasting, I would say. So um, right. we complement each other well. That's kind of my. Uh, that's a that's a dream partnership, I have to say, because you know I always felt like I need somebody who is a business mind, but always found only partners who are also passionate. So there was two passions working, you know, and then we had to figure out the business part. Which I did eventually, you know. But mm -hmm. if, um, if you have somebody from get go who is good at business, especially sales, I mean, I still I, I suck at sales. I have to say I'm very bad at it. But uh, if I could find somebody business partner who is good at sales and you know communicating with the customers and doing all that dance, that's mm -hmm. that's I think the ideal partnership. So you guys uh, figure this out from get go. Yeah, I don't know if it was so planned, but I look back and I think, wow, I don't know how I could have done any of this on my own. I mean, I have my brother who does a lot of the um, the coffee stuff. He does the research. And, and for a while, he was our only barista because we started with him working as the barista for our, our coffee bar. And then uh, our mother is um, our salesperson and marketer. So she has a really good design eye and um, does a lot of the decor for our shops. And then She's sort of our sales pit bull. <laughs> so we, uh, we, we kind of have a little bit of a, a trifecta going on that I look back and I think, wow, I'm so lucky to have had great partners like that starting out. Awesome. That, that's, that sounds like a good team. Speaking of uh, your business, um, mm -hmm. you know, many times people you know, get passionate about certain types of coffee, for example, the third way, which I'm passionate about, and it seems you guys do. And there's the tons of other companies out there. So what do you think your company does differently? How do you separate yourself from the crowd? That's a, that's a great question. And I, I don't have silly questions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just messing. You've been doing it long enough, I guess. Yeah. No, the, um, it's a tricky answer. I think, you know, in some ways I, I, I struggle because I learned from so much from other people when we were starting out, when we're doing this, you know, and I don't have the luxury of saying like, Oh, we, we pioneered this, this, uh, business and this model and here's what we're doing. So, you know, my, in some ways I have this, um, sort of remorse, like, Oh, we're actually not doing much different, you know, than other companies. But then as I, I look into how we're, how we're running our business and doing that thing, I think, okay, well, one thing that we're doing is, um, is we're just following what our strengths are and we're, we're going after that. And pretty much um, what makes us different is just our customer service and attention to detail with our, with our clients. So, um, you know, I, I, we're in the Peoria, Illinois, we have uh, Chicago, you know, nearby and they have a lot of great roasters and everything. But it still feels that um, where we're at is a little bit lacking um, in terms of ton, you know, a lot of coffee scene type of thing. So a lot of what we focused on, especially at the beginning, was um, just you know helping 
uh, customers with uh, coffee choices and uh, educating them along the way. We had so many people come in and say, what's a pour over, you know, and we still do to this day. And not to say that you don't have that in other cities either, but um, it's been an interesting growth to see uh, people in Peoria, especially start, um, you know, understanding more about why coffee is, you know, why the brewing method matters and, and that. So I think um, going through education with our customers is kind of how we started to build our name in the Peoria area. You know, we were just very approachable. We, uh, we don't, you know, we try to meet everybody where they're at in terms of whether they like cream and sugar or, you know, this type of thing or flavoring syrups. So that's one thing that we focused on. And then I think a lot of it was, we always saw ourselves from the beginning as a, um, as a roasting company, wholesale was always something we wanted to get into. And that was um, one of our key growth um, strategies is to kind of build a wholesale clientele. And initially, you know, that's, that's tough to do if no one knows who you are and, and this kind of thing. So we had, had to kind of go above and beyond on certain aspects. Um, so we are very uh, uh, straightforward with our knowledge. You know, we, we help a lot of companies, you know, dial in their machines and help them decide like which, which products to buy based off of what we've experienced. We're good about sharing um, different recipes and brew ratios. We um, basically Tristan goes and teaches um, some of our clients, you know, one-on-one -on -one for uh, several sessions to get them kind of up and running and everything. And basically we try to be that roaster that, you know, you, um, your success is ours. So, you know, if, if you can't, if we can't make coffee work with, with what your primary business is or what you're trying to do, then we have to rethink things and try again, or um, maybe it's just not a good fit. So we've had a couple, you know, uh, cases of either of those. What, what, what I yeah. hear is actually that you are one of the first ones in your area. So, you know, one of the first one, one of the first third wave or specialty coffee companies that's, you know, already giving you the uh, edge of being special, right? Or different. So interestingly enough, there are a couple other companies, um, mm. but I think that uh, it just goes to show that the market is bigger than most people think and that now it's developing. So it's, uh, I, I think that uh, the future is um, very, there's a lot of opportunity in coffee in our area and we're starting to see more and more coffee shops open up actually. So we're finding that there's a lot of um, like people doing the farmer's markets, and um, opening up little camper trailers and things like that. So it's really exciting. Um, the whole uh, sort of growth in the third wave, is, it takes a little while, but it eventually gets to the, the Midwest. <laughs> yeah, I also like that you mentioned the kind of customer support and you know treating the customer right. And <clears throat> the funny story is that through my Slovak company, the Green Plantation, um, we were the first third wave company. Uh, so it was kind of cool, you know, we got the buzz, you know, we yeah. used that for a long time. But after a while you get, you know, in Slovakia, Slovakia is a small country, it's 5 million citizens. So now it's like 30 to 40 specialty roasters. And specialty coffee still in Slovakia is something which most people don't drink. I mean, they, they drink the mass brands in a, in a, from the grocery stores. So now we have 30, 40 companies competing for a tiny, tiny market. So today we cannot only claim that, oh, we were the first ones, you know, it doesn't really help. But mm -hmm. exactly that special care for customers, and we support them many, many, many different ways, 
for our <clears throat> online customers, we send always two samples, you know, just uh-huh. you know, for the, your next order. We send them right away email that, hey, we value your loyalty. If you want to stay with us, you know, uh, here is a coupon for 5%. We used to do 10 or 5 depends on, you know, promos. But we always send them like some discount for the next, if they order coffee in the next two weeks or one month. And it depends, you know, two weeks is when they order one or two coffees because they should, you know, actually one coffee, they should drink it. But if they order more than we give them, you know, for one month, because, you know, if they are stay loyal and going to buy from us, then, you know, they will use the coupon. And we do all, the, like, like if they, you know, send us something like, oh, you know, my something happened in a shipping we don't go like oh it was a shipping company let's figure this out no here is a coffee and we figure out the rest and exactly these things these little things basically give us now the advantage the competitive advantage so i'm very happy that you mentioned that because it's super important to treat your customers right even sometimes it costs you a lot of money you know especially if you you know send someone a lot of coffee and it disappears you know yeah Mm -hmm. you know but it's still your customer so yeah, I would say one thing I didn't mention is that we um, we also have a really broad offering um, as far as our coffees. So I think like right now we have close to 20 different single origin coffees on our shelf for retail. Okay. So yeah, we, um, we're, the, we're sort of one of the first in our area to have that sort of broad of a, an offering. Nice. Um, we started our company basically doing only pour overs. So <laughs> I don't know if you've heard this many times, but we started a coffee company and we didn't have an espresso machine. So we, <laughs> I, that's maybe first time. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, this kind of goes to show like what type of like maybe guy I was initially, but I said, um, okay, we're going to start this coffee mach- company. We're going to be a roasting company. And uh, the best way to highlight our coffees is through pour over. So we're not going to do espresso. Uh, it's an expensive machine. And, uh, you know, it. I don't think we need it. <laughs> it doesn't... <laughs> So, you know, it only took about two months before we were like, all right, we need an espresso machine. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, yeah. I, was, I was wondering where you go with this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, honestly, I think it was good to start that way because we did sort of get a handle on our co- coffee. We had people like really confused by what our shop was doing, but then they would start to get it and then they would tell their friends and it was like, okay, if you want, you know, good coffee prepared this interesting way, you know, come go check them out. And uh, Tristan, because he was the only one working there, will talk you through it and show you what he's doing. And we had a very like visual type of bar where you'd be sitting on a stool and they'd be making the pour over right in front of you. So, um, yeah, but then, you know, the money starts to to be a factor and he's like, okay, well, we have people just walking in, walking out when they can't get a latte. So uh, I, I think that was one of our... Um, key little moments there as well as I realized, okay, well, we're not going to try to tell the customer, um, you know, what they want. If they're telling us that they want espresso-based drinks and everything, let's do the best um, espresso-based drinks that we can do and uh, try to highlight it that way in our coffee. Super Um, smart. I mean, I, I did the same with the logo. You know, I was always saying that, you know, I still believe and I always believe that the farmer is the hero in every coffee story. I mean, Mm -hmm. the farmer is with coffee for a year, works hard with a year, and then we roasters and baristas take the cream, you know, financially. Also with the the, uh, the, uh, credit, right, with our brands. 
So I always say that, you know, I don't need a logo for a green plantation. You know, it's the story of the farmer. So let's not have a logo. Stupid idea. That's <laughs> the stupidest <laughs> idea ever. You know, you, you need to build a damn brand. There's no yeah. way around it. So, yeah, you know, I, but I love stories like this because you have this kind of silly idea that I'll do it totally differently and it didn't work out. That's cool. But, you know, you had this kind of like a, like an idea which... For me, sounds actually great. I mean, I would love to try a company without espresso, but I think that you're right that financially it would not make um, sense, right? Yeah. All right. So you guys are Fresh Coffee Pro members. Yes. For uh, people who don't know, Coffee Pro is uh, our online education for coffee professionals. Um, You signed up like a few weeks ago. Uh, Mm -hmm. So did... Coffee Pro help you somehow, and did you change anything you do you did before because you learned it in a Coffee Pro? Yeah, so um, the reason I I signed up uh, is because I felt like I was getting all this knowledge from you, and uh, I felt like, well, now we're in a position where I can you know support what you're doing because you're doing some great work out there, and I'll get a membership. But then part of the reason was, um, as I mentioned, you know, Tristan is my partner and he does a lot of the roasting and the coffee stuff. And while I have some information and knowledge about that side of it, my um, expertise is not there. And I thought I'll um, I'll brush up on a few of these aspects. And that way, at least I can speak a common language when I'm talking to him about what we're doing and what coffee we're buying and that sort of thing. So for me, in I um, ended up quitting my job at Caterpillar um, only about two two months ago or something so i felt like all right this is gonna be a fresh beginning for me to go full into coffee and uh so i'm going to start building my um my knowledge on the the terroir and, and um, seed to cup type information and also um get a little crash course in um the roasting and that sort of thing so i'm a few classes into the coffee pro program and um, it's been great so far cool um, I hope you will not fight with your brother about, you know, that he does some way, <laughs> some way and uh, learned from Coffee Pro something else. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, like I said, it's kind of giving us a like a bit of the common language when he's talking about something that I know what, what it is he means. Um, and the other, uh, the thing that I would say we've implemented so far, um, I'm looking forward to completing the whole course, but the blending I thought was really interesting. As I mentioned, our company has been... Um, primarily and heavily focused on single origin coffees and single origin espresso even. So we do a lot of, um, like I said, we have a ton of different single origin coffees that we offer. And uh, now we're getting to the point where some um, wholesale clients are asking, Hey, can we get our own custom blend? So, you know, obviously there's sales reasons why they would want, you know, their own signature sort of blend and, that wasn't something we did a whole lot of uh, in the first couple of years because we were, our, our mentality was that single origin is, you know, you're tasting the different flavors of the terroir and, you know, this is the, um, the way uh, you can explore how the diversity in coffee, you know, like if you try a Brazil next to Kenya, like look how different these are. And that's um, what was really exciting for us about that. So now the blending, I would say, we're getting more into that and the blending course was was pretty cool to listen to and um, get an idea of how to run through a protocol for creating some of our own blends yeah you know i think that that blending course it's done by jody double mm-hmm. you know and she she's not working with us anymore she actually is in texas and she's a q instructor she has her own really? business mm-hmm. yeah so you know 
people in Texas, check out Jody. She's pretty awesome. And you know, it's really, I think it's really underrated that course. It's one of my favorite. And when I was filming it, I was like, holy cow, this is awesome. This is like so much great information how to approach blending. But you yeah. know, you can, you can, you know, because I do wine too, as a, well, at this point, as only as a hobby. Mm -hmm. uh, even in, in wine, I can use her theories, you know, how to think when you're creating blends and how can you kind of like go about it. So I think that course is super good, although everybody's going for, you know, they, uh, the roasting mostly, you know, people love the roasting course or the yeah. C2 cup <laughs> is also really good. I think that the, cause we have two, one is the, the, uh, origin, I forgot mm -hmm. what's the coffee at origin. Yeah. That's an old one. And we kind of upgraded the information and we have the C2 cup course, which is really deep, you know, flowing the SCA, you know, uh, uh curriculum. So. But yeah. that blending is kind of like, a, like, you know, it's kind of like hidden in a corner, a golden book. You know, when you go to a library and there's all these shiny things, but the really awesome book is kind of like dust in a bag. So, uh, yeah, I agree with you. I'm, I'm so glad that you picked it up. Yeah, the um, the wet blending I never considered really. <laughs> so that was really right? nice tidbit to like kind of to go through that. And the seed to cup course was really cool. I, Willem's a cool guy. I'd like to meet him sometime. But yeah, he's a... Um, uh, some of his anecdotes are really interesting. And, uh... <laughs> yeah, so some people, and you know, now I'm, <clears throat> you know, I like to always be kind of open about these things. But some people love Willem's anecdotes because they really kind of highlight the the or actually enforce the the mm -hmm. knowledge. And that's how you should do it. By the way, you know, when you learn how the brain works, is actually you always uh, strengthen the theory with the story. So he likes to do that. But some people are kind of like, oh, I want to be more practical. I want to just go for the theory. So they find it sometimes too long. Um, I personally love those. You know, I really like because I can relate to the story and say, oh, yeah, that's what he meant, me meant by that, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. And uh, he actually is working now on a new roasting course, which, you know, we, because, you know, these we started seven, eight years ago. Right. A long time. Right. So, you know, we brush these off a little bit and there's a lot of new things came in. So, you know, we are working on the fact that uh, there's going to be a new roasting course, uh, kind of like a big update. So, you know, uh, yeah. No, uh, I look forward to that then. Yeah, it should be done like in a few weeks, I hope. I mean, he's filming it with somebody else, not with me this time. Uh, okay. So, because I, I, two other things right now. <laughs> so it's just getting too much. Anyhow, so thanks again for uh, your feedback, and I really hope you guys will use it to full potential. And also thank you that you bought it because of the podcast. That's kind of cool, you know. Um, <laughs> it's, it's very honest of you that basically you got some tips. And, you know, to be 100% honest, it's not only me. It's all the guests who were on the podcast. So sure. thank you for guests, <laughs> you know, for the, yeah. for the fact that people uh, buy the course. Yeah. Yeah, especially <clears throat> want to throw a shout out to um, Ironclad Coffee when they were on their podcast because I got so much out of that episode. No, so. I, I want to do that again. So I know Ironclad is now doing great, by the way. They are doing like they are really killing it. But mm -hmm. uh, I want to interview another company, which they are just starting because 
you know, I forgot, you know, what was happening, you know, uh, in Green Plantation eight, nine years ago. You know, even on this coffee, we started like four years ago, three and a half years ago. I don't know. I forgot all those things. I still have them in mind. But the details, you know, the hustle, the little problems, they mm-hmm. just vanished. You know, And interviewing companies who are in the process can be interesting for us to learn that, you know, do you really want to start a coffee roasting company? Because you will have to go through these steps. So I have somebody lined up. And I hope to interview them soon. Yeah, I look forward to it. Cool. Me too. <laughs> All right. The next question is, um, um, I want to give, you know, this is a new question. I, I want to keep asking everyone because I think this is a question I get the most, you know, it's about your sales channels. So which sales channels do work for you guys? And where do you think you lack? Or maybe there, is there something you are planning to do in the future? Yeah, the sales channels is something we're always um, trying to consider and uh, try to expand actually in the next little bit. So um, we started with a small cafe and we started roasting and, and wholesaling our coffee to a couple other uh, companies in our area. And we pretty quickly ran out of capacity on our 5kg, which I know you have a article on that. So uh yeah, we sort of fell victim to that whole thing. And um, so when we opened our next cafe, we that's why we went for the 15 kg. Um, and so we're starting to expand our sales channels. Right now, we just sell a lot of bags through our, our cafes. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, talking about the different coffees with the customers and then having so many different options, you know, it gets that conversation going that we have a lot of clients and customers and guests that come to our um, cafes that become regulars and they're, it's really cool because they'll pick up a bag of Colombia one day and then the next day they'll say, you know, I want to try that Nicaragua because I've seen it and, uh, you know, the notes on it are kind of interesting and, you know, maybe I'll try a pour over that today. So we've, we've had a lot of retail bag sales through just our cafes and of course through wholesale. Um, but what's been interesting is especially in recent times, just our online sales have been starting to take off. Um, so we've been experimenting with different avenues of selling online. So far, our biggest one has been just primarily on our website and trying to use social media to drive traffic there. Uh, we are currently listed on spin.com. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, they, <laughs> so that's been an interesting one. And then um, we are looking at potentially trying to go into the grocery stores and everything. So that'll be uh, interesting experience i think i've been listening to some of your recent discussions about grocery stores so okay i was wondering about that yeah <laughs> yeah um so uh, it's been pretty cool i think where we lack a little bit is definitely our um, social media presence and um, some of our online sales so i've been toying around with the idea of getting on to um, amazon you know going on to some of these other higher um, uh, just online sales channels ebay or whatnot and then experimenting a little bit more with uh, with Facebook advertisements and Instagram type of things. Um, I I think that it's um, it's one of two things. Maybe we'll um, see a pretty good growth, or maybe we'll put a lot of effort in and it'll sort of mellow out. I'm not sure yet. Well, it you know it's. It's worth risk, you know, and mm-hmm. worth checking it out. Like I know 
you know, we do Amazon with Anish Coffee. We did also with Green Plantation. I gave up on Amazon with Green Plantation, mostly because Green Plantation is about freshness, so that mm-hmm. we couldn't, you know, we did from Slovakia shipping to UK, and it was just super weird. So uh, with, you mentioned Amazon. So, you know, Amazon is very low margins, so you have to kind of try it and figure it out. I know companies which I warned, a big company, local company, not warned. I mean, I cannot warn you, but I was like, well, check this out. Is it really worth for you? Because, you know, these are the numbers we have. Mm-hmm. And they said, oh, we hired a company who will figure this out for us. We're paying them, you know, big money. And I was like, well, okay. I mean, I don't know how they can afford it. And two years out, I mean, two years, sorry, two years in, and they, basically agreed with us that, you know, it's very low margin game. That said, you know, one of the Coffee Pro members is actually a a company which is doing amazing job on Amazon. And I really, really want to interview them. And I sent them multiple emails. We started the conversations, but then they dropped it. And I don't Mm -hmm. know. I mean, if you go on Amazon and find out which coffee is the top coffee, you know, selling and they have green and roasted and they just appear right away in a search that's them so i don't know i really hope that they will change their mind and they will share at least a little bit of their wisdom <laughs> we tried ebay with Alnish coffee because we sell a lot of green coffee you know um, yeah and ebay boy i actually did something like which i don't like to do but i was like totally underselling the coffee you know i just said let's see and nope doesn't work we got one sale. Also, like, you know, other companies are selling green coffee for prices. I was like, is that it's not worth doing like long term, you know? So it's like, right. I don't want to work for free, you know? So I just will sell it somewhere else. I'm curious about your uh, experience with Spin because we did sell on Spin. I had one, one negative stuff was that we always got the notifications when, <laughs> when the coffee was already like late. We never got a notification of the sale, which was for me like, oh my gosh, you know, it's like we have we have to ship now. And we sold like, you know, two or three coffees a year. I mean, what's your experience with Spin? It's pretty similar. I wouldn't say it's like a constant stream for us, but it's just weird how occasionally we'll get like four or five orders in a week and then we won't get anything for another couple of weeks. So I don't know if it's just the way their backend algorithms work or someone around us is you know, getting some kind of sale or whatever, but yeah, I wouldn't say it's a very consistent stream. We kind of did it to get our, um, you know, just a, our feet wet in some of these online pro platforms. I would, I would think that, um, a lot of it has to do with, um, marketing. Um, our, uh, I noticed a lot of the other vendors on there have these really nice and like crisp, uh, bags that are mm-hmm. very like, attractive and everything and ours are pretty at the moment pretty basic they're um they're standard like kind of quad seal bag with a couple labels that we um we have printed and we put them on there i wonder if um if we put the investment into uh like a a sharper looking bag if it would it would do better on those type of sites so that's one thing i'm looking into is sort of um creating more of the custom bags and that type type of thing Mm -hmm. That, that that can that can be cool. I know that uh, for green plantation, that was a big thing when we changed our packaging. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, I living in California, obviously, I'm, I'm massaged with the green propaganda. I'm propaganda. I'm, I'm joking about. I mean, I'm also like yeah. very like uh, like 
nature conscious person. So, you know, all these uh, plastic bags are horrible for the environment. Many times they claim they are recyclable, but they are not. I mean, nobody can recycle them, so they can be recyclable, but nobody recycles them, then end up in a landfill. So I was like, let's do, let's try to do something else. So mm-hmm. we changed with green plantation again into uh, compostable bags, which, I mean, <laughs> fall apart all the time. So we send in kilo and just we got four people who are like, oh, our coffee blew up or something because it's all over the bag uh, package. Right. So we have to figure that out. And second, we use a little like, uh, little, they look like a tin cans. But they are not. They are basically made of paper. It looks like a toilet paper roll when you finish the toilet paper. You know, there's that oh, kind great. of like a, yeah. So insert is uh, kind of like a, a food safe paper, and a, and a top and a bottom are tin. So those are recyclable for 100%. So we use those and compostable bags, which don't work right now. But you know, we're trying to always figure this out. And I was just going to say that you know the fact that we changed. To compostable and we brag about it obviously you know attracted a lot of new customers because in Europe in Slovakia or in Europe the uh, packageless foods are super super popular you know uh, so basically you go to a store and you buy it in your jar or something you know a kilo of beans or whatever you know mm-hmm. so we try to kind of follow that trend we can't really sell into jars although we have some customers who come for two jars but uh, we try to figure out some way which is the green, much greener than our competition, and it resonated with people. So that's kind of awesome. Yeah. So you know, I just saying two stories when packaging really changed our economy of the company. My favorite question is always the one, the two thousand dollar question. If and, and I'm expecting, you know, the, the stakes are high because you're a person who has business mind and you always wanted to start a business. So you probably thought about this a lot. So if I give you today 10K, what kind of coffee business would you start? <laughs> yeah, I love this question. Um, especially when you ask other people and everything. I thought Nick's answer was <laughs> really amazing on the, from Flag & Wire. It was like, yeah, that's such a good idea to open like a boutique court of uh, cold brew um, operation. I think um, I really like that idea, but what I was thinking initially was more along the lines of um, not that far off from how we started. Um, I think I think I would probably get. Um, it depends sort of what your end goal is. If you're trying to be more of like a roaster cafe, or if you're just trying, if you're trying to open more of a coffee shop type thing, I think my, uh, if I had 10,000 right now, I would probably buy something like a La Marzocco, um, single group espresso machine, um, and a grinder, uh, and, um, possibly a brewer. So that right there is probably about six or seven of my, uh, my budget, <laughs> but, uh, um, this is hard because the lease and, and that type of thing is really tough, but essentially it's kind of what we did. If you can find a property with maybe, you know, five or a hundred or a thousand dollars a month or something like that, you could, you could try to open up a basic coffee, coffee bar right there. But I kind of like the idea of doing more of the farmer's markets um, initially, and especially to see if, you know, you're, you're having the um, wherewithal to kind of make it work. 
because for a while there, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of frustrating when you can't have the equipment you want or the, the space you need um, ultimately because um, you have to start to make the money first. Um, yeah, it's tough. I think initially um, if you've only got $10,000 to start with roasting would be really challenging. So I'd find a good roaster to work with you, you know, that will, mm -hmm sort of show you some tips and tricks along the way and kind of recommend certain machinery for you. Um, and then focus on building an online presence because you can do that relatively inexpensive. And that's something we haven't really done, but we're focusing on now, but I see other coffee shops in our area or coffee companies that have don't necessarily have the same um, footprint that we do, but are doing really cool and interesting things um, just online and in a sort of mobile fashion. So Secure your domain name, um, possibly get a little uh, basic espresso set up until you can keep going or, uh, or do Nick's idea with the, the cold brew thing. <laughs> we, cool. we make, we do a fair number of events, uh, private events, weddings and that type of thing. So I think there's a market for that type, type of business. I totally agree. You know, uh, I think that, you know, having a small espresso set up, uh, quotation mark cart and doing events, mm -hmm. doing corporate events. I mean, you don't even need a space. I mean, you are starting somewhere, you know, right. So that can be your entry. I, I you know, that can work. Do you, do you know, by the way, where the 10 K question comes from originally? Uh, I think I, I know just from, that's how you started uh, green plantation, right? Oh my God, you're good. Yeah. You are a listener. You are good. Yeah, we started with 8,000 euros. Yeah, so we bought the roaster and the first uh, pallet of coffee and paid, you know, a horrible place in a shipyard for roasting. And I built the website because I, I do that. And that's it. And we started to roast coffee. That's why I think, but amazing, cool. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, part of me really wants to say, uh, yeah, you know, go just go buy a eight thousand dollar roaster or used one or something and start roasting in garage. But I know that's uh, not always possible in certain places. So, right. I mean, yeah. you know, it's, it depends what kind of like you know. I gave you the ten thousand dollars, so you could spend it as you want. And I think that there's so many other things you can do in a coffee industry other than roasting coffee. You know. Yeah. And I think especially nowadays, it's super important to kind of keep your eyes open, check out your competition. Don't fall in the same trap as we did with Unleashed Coffee. You know, we we have amazing like differenti differentiator, the fact that we have our farm, right? Mm -hmm. But yet in starting a coffee business in the San Francisco Bay area, oh my gosh, you know, so that's so competitive. Like there's so many great companies already here. So, you know, just another like a player in the market. So, but yeah, so there's a lot of things you can do in coffee if you want to uh, just think a little bit and figure right. out where is the empty spot where you can fit in. Yeah. All right. So uh, we have, you know, I wanted to try this new thing that if you have a question for me and you sent me, few questions so uh which one shall we talk about yeah whichever you you feel i think the uh, electric roaster is kind of a interesting one so uh what's your take on these electric uh all electric roasters i mean i i'm kind of curious about this because in some ways it feels like ooh, that's a bit avant-garde and you know that's uh not the way to roast coffee and everything but then as you kind of mentioned with some of the green movement and everything 
the positives are, you know, no pollution and then also, well, very little, maybe less pollution. And then also being able to power them with our, with the green energy. So uh, that's one thing I was kind of interested in. So the electric roasters I know and I've seen, by the way, I started on electric roasters um, as a home roaster on Alpenrust, mm -hmm. which only very old home roasters remember that piece of junk. And um, of course, Be More is kind of electric roaster, which is not a junk, but it's a pretty awesome little home roaster. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the reason why we don't recommend having electric roaster is the reaction time uh, of the heat. So meaning if you are on gas roaster, you adjust the heat, it happens instantly, right? The flame goes down and the heat source is adjusted. While on the electric roaster, the, there is a, some time difference between, you know, the change of the heat and until the element cools off. So your roasting is not that precise. So that's the main reason why uh, <clears throat> for specialty coffee, we don't recommend electric roasters until they figure this out, maybe something better, some better system. Mm, I don't know. I don't, I don't see that it can be really used uh, in specialty coffee roasting. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I just wondered if it's kind of a, yeah, maybe some push for, um, a sacrifice in maybe the cup quality for um, the potential environmental offset. I'm not sure. Uh, I know it. that's why. Sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, I would say that's partially why we went with the Loring initially is because it's um, more efficient in terms of its its gas usage and everything. So and it has the built-in sort of afterburner. Right. I mean, that's why I admire Loring too, and you know. I would be very happy if somebody says, Valerian, what you just said is rubbish. With electric roaster, <laughs> you can do X, Y, Z and figure this out or learn about it. Because, you know, I'm, I'm, I love the idea of, you know, saving the environment every way. So, uh, but that's my take. And that's what I learned from, you know, in the industry. And um, anytime we were thinking about heating elements, we never even considered, you know, uh, electric heating element actually i hate to cook on electricity i have to say in our right. house here we have <laughs> yeah. you know in the induction whatever you call it uh stove and i and i hate it you know i always cooked on gas and um, just much better efficient i don't know i just so yeah i like the other question too by the way uh and we should a little bit discuss it because uh it's something which intrigues myself too so i'm interested in that too it's the uh, TikTok and Whip yeah. Coffee and are we on TikTok and what can somebody do on TikTok? So first of all, have you ever tried that Whip Coffee? I, um, I've never tried it. <laughs> okay. I uh, kind of, I'm intrigued why it's becoming this phenomenon, but I, it's not something I've, I've personally gone out and sought to do. Uh, do you use I, TikTok? I've been exploring it lately um mostly because of the current circumstances right with the the quarantine and and the pan the COVID 19 sort of thing it seems like it's kind of blown up and a lot of people are using it and i was interested if it's gonna you know potential what what its potential was and what we could possibly use it for especially trying to grow a brand or trying to um 
um, get information out to maybe some of the younger potential customers, right? That mm-hmm. so kind of looking at it from a marketing standpoint, like what's the what's it about, or is it possible to use for even a sales channel at some point? So I'm not sure. Haven't come to a conclusion on that, but that's where I've been kind of checking it out, and I came across some of these interesting trends on whipped coffee and <laughs> um, different ways to get your uh, quote unquote, like your Starbucks coffee at home type of thing. So, okay. So when it comes to whipped coffee, uh, my daughter was doing it. I don't think she did it correctly, uh, mm-hmm. but there's a great video about Deborah Freudiger. Uh, she works for Equator Coffee. And if you go to the Instagram, I'm not going to spoil it. You should watch it. It's fun. Uh, okay. so it's about her making whipped coffee. It's 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 fun. Um, so it's Equator Coffee uh, Instagram. Yeah. So when it comes to TikTok, first of all, I love the idea that you checked out something which is not, you know, mainstream for mm-hmm. you know a coffee company. I would say everybody's on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, I did the same uh, a few months ago, and. Uh, my first post and i tried i you know tried some coffee posts i tried some hike posts and you know, did some other things okay and in the be- beginning they were doing great after that for whatever reason so i did one thing okay so I, they were doing great then you know when i was checking out the feed i got all these um politically charged uh uh TikToks, which I did not appreciate, and they just made me angry. And I don't yeah. want to be <laughs> on a place where, you know, things make me angry. So I was just kind of like disabling those users, you know, just like, mm. okay, I don't want to see anything from this user. I don't want to see anything from this user without thinking that, you know, it will somehow influence me. Seems that after that, anything I posted had like five views instead of 600 or something like that. So I was oh, like, wow. oh, oops. And I, and I don't know if that was the cause or not. But uh, my daughter, actually, she's a big TikToker, and she said that, you know, oh, no, no, they changed the algorithm, so that's why. So I don't know, but maybe, maybe not. The other reason why I'm, I don't think I would be a good candidate for TikTok is, uh, I don't know if you ever heard of Gary Vaynerchuk. He's the social media guru. He's a pretty awesome guy. He's, by the way, originally Russian. He came here when he was a kid. And I think that every social media guy or marketing guy would say, listen to his podcast, whatever he does, because he does million other things, you know, like videos and stuff. And he's a pretty smart guy. So okay. he, he, in his book, he said, you know, it doesn't matter which social media you choose, but make sure you speak the language. So you speak differently on Instagram, you speak differently on LinkedIn, you speak differently on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok. I cannot speak the uh, Twitter language. It never really worked for me. I'm very good speaking the Facebook language because that was my main social media. You know, uh, I'm okay speaking the the uh, the Instagram language at up to a point. I'm not, you know, influ- this influencer stuff for me is always a little bit like okay. Um, although yeah. I will go back to that because I'm starting to work with one influencer. I'm curious where, where does it take us. Um, and TikTok is so alien to me that I just don't know if I can speak that language. I don't know if I can be so silly on the camera. I can be silly when we drink wine together. Boy, I will be super silly. But doing mm-hmm. those silly things on a camera, I don't think I can do that. So most likely TikTok today is not for me personally. Yeah, I think I share a similar sentiment. Um, 
looking at it, I don't, uh, some of the things that have treat, intrigued me are some of the like cooking videos, like the quick life hacks, like here's mm -hmm. this kind of thing. And I thought maybe there's an opportunity to do like, Hey, here's how to, you know, brew a Chemex in 60 seconds, or here's uh why this coffee origin is, you know, better for this reason or whatever, you know, coming up with sort of an, I don't want to say educational, but sort of a uh, life hacky type mm -hmm. um, video series. So I know on Instagram, we've been um, doing a lot of more like industry humor, kind of quirky videos, and we've been getting a lot of like positive uh, feedback on those. And I think in a way it, it has translated to sales, especially, you know, driving people to our website and everything. So it got me kind of thinking because on Instagram, we were posting these videos and um, they, they had that limit of like a minute before it switches it to the IGTV. So I was keeping all of our videos under a minute just to do that. And then find out that TikTok has sort of that same limitation. So I almost kind of wonder um, if some of these little quirky videos we're doing on Instagram might work on TikTok, but then, yeah. So we haven't quite gotten to the point where we're experimenting. It sounds like you've done a few videos and, um, were you, was your goal to uh, try to drive sales with it or was it more just to play with the format? No, I just bring the format because I wanted to figure out the language, you know, like yeah. what resonates with the people. You know, I think that Instagram for most of my brands does not translate to sales at all. But what it translates to is that it shows us our culture, shows us our values. And at mm -hmm. some point, these people, when they, you know, will be deciding about A or B coffee, they will probably go for us because they identify with our culture or not i mean it doesn't matter but they i mean it's a really good way how to show off what's happening in your in your company and you know like i had this guy coming to me and he said look uh, i need a i want to be your intern because i want to learn more i mean he's a pretty good photographer already and he was mm -hmm. like i want to learn more about product photography and i want to manage your instagram it's about green plantation my solar company i was like i mean for free that's great but look I'm looking for this. I want people on my photos. I want people having fun on my photos. I want my team on the photos. I don't really care for product photos. I mean, they can happen here and there. That's cool. Right. You know, but for right. me, the, the culture is the most important. And he was like, uh, but I wanted to make this. And he made us amazing product photos. I was like, well, these are amazing. These are really cool. But that's not what I want on my Instagram. For me, Instagram is really showing kind of like we are fun people and we, right. you know, and we have customers who are fun people. So that's for me more important than, you know, like a product photo or a really pretty product photo. And that's why I'm saying that Instagram up to a point, because now going back to what I kind of started and I didn't finish is like, I, it happens that COVID brought home into my little town, a super big influencer. She is a, she has 700,000, over 700,000 uh, followers. She works for big fashion brands and she mm -hmm. loves our cafe. And she came to us and she said, Hey guys, you know, I traveled the world, but I'm originally from this little town. And, you know, I love that we have this coffee here. Uh, can I use your space for photography? So, you know, she did some fashion photos in our like uh, house. We have the kind of like a beautiful old house with a wooden parquet. So she did that. And then we started to talk and with, uh, you know, she's like, I always wanted to have my own coffee brand. I was like, well, how about we do experiment? You know, mm -hmm. I'll build the website, I'll build the whole thing, and we'll you have the seven hundred thousand followers. So we, you know, make you three coffees, and we sell it through Green Plantation. But it will be your brand. You know, it's kind of like a quotation mark fake brand, and we test it. So you have these seven hundred 
thousand followers and how do they react to coffee? She knows she can sell jeans. I mean, she sells truckloads of like $300 jeans, which, you know, I never mm -hmm. even seen in a store. So, you know, it can be interesting to see that maybe we in Green Plantation and Anish Coffee, we don't do the sales correctly through Instagram because they really, they don't convert. Like if I pay for the ads, I usually always pay also for Instagram, but the Facebook converts for us better than, you know, Instagram when I pay for the ads. But maybe she can do it and we we'll learn something from this whole thing. And I will be more than happy to share this, you know, with everyone. So um, that would be something in a, in a hopefully near very, future. Yeah, very interesting. That would be, <laughs> I'm, I'm always kind of curious about that as well. The, the yeah. Influencers, you, know? you kind of yeah, hear some more stories sometimes of like them not actually getting any conversions or whatever, but I don't know. Well, you know, I get a lot of offers from influencers and uh, like 80% are fake. You know, I can see that mm -hmm. our followers are fake because, you know, the, the, you know, they have, let's say 30,000 followers, but they have hundred hearts on it or likes, what do you call that on Instagram, you know, and it's like, wait, that's not really conversion properly because we have like 3000 followers on, on, on green plantation and we get that. So if you have 30,000, right. shouldn't you get a bit more than that? And yeah. you know, they, his comments are like, you know, great, awesome, or something like that. And you see the pictures are kind of like stolen maybe, or I don't know, I don't yeah. know. They're not authentic. So I don't know, but you know, we had that podcast with Umeko and uh, she, now I don't want to offend her, but she has maybe 15, 16,000 by now, you know, followers. And, mm -hmm. you know, she actually said that, yeah, you know, you have to be careful about, you know, who is your, um, uh, uh, influencer and what do you expect from the influencer? You know, my, my, for example, all my websites run affiliates, you know, so if you want, if you are really a tough influencer, I'm happy to share with you, you know, the profits let's sell, but nobody so far said, oh yeah, I'll be happy to share profits, you know, so I'm good enough to be a good influencer and I know I'm going to sell you a lot of coffee. So let's share profits. Nobody mm -hmm. ever said that. And that's for me suspicious, you know? Yeah, <laughs> for sure. I'm super pragmatic and I'm, I'm, I really hope uh, I didn't offend anyone who is an influencer. And if you are an influencer and you earn a lot of money from other brands, you know, paying you, great, kudos to you, you know. But for me, you have to prove yourself. I'm sorry. I don't have money to just like toss away through the window, you know. And when it comes to TikTok, if again, if somebody figures this out, I think it's the future. Yeah. But okay, so so now it's a little bit philosophical. It's the future because every young people use it today. But these young people nowadays are this attention span is so short. So social media come and go much faster than they used to. You know what I mean? Yeah. So today it's TikTok. Sure. Tomorrow it might be whatever, you know. Maybe. I don't know. Right. <laughs> yeah, so there's definitely a challenge in that aspect of you know how much time and effort do you put into a social platform that might you know be irrelevant in a week or so so yeah and also can can you do sales on it because right. by now you know facebook made a lot of implements like you know the, the stores on both on on uh instagram and facebook on instagram actually you can tag products which yeah. is pretty cool because people can, you know, they see some nice chair or some nice coffee and they can see, oh, okay, this is cool. This is the product. Like, I don't think TikTok has anything like that. Most of the users of TikTok are super young, which don't have yet purchasing power. And 
maybe not even interested in that much in coffee. Mm-hmm. But please, please prove me wrong and let me know how you do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> second that. Second that request. I want to know where people can find you. So you can find us online. We're at uh, cxt.coffee. So, uh, and then we're on Instagram and Facebook at, at CXT Coffee. So uh, it's, uh, yeah, like I said, stands for Tristan or Coffee by Tristan. I'll put uh, all the links into the show notes so you guys can uh, check it out. And one more thing, and also maybe tip for other people. I found that your website is accessible through different domains, like .com, there is .coffee, maybe something yeah. like that. Um, <laughs> do you yeah, have a custom name? We uh, initially purchased um, cxtcoffee.com um, and then we uh, kind of changed it more for marketing, I guess, reasons. I just like the look of cxt.coffee. It's very crisp and clean, but it is taking a little bit to uh, remind people that .coffee is a, a domain. <laughs> so we kind of have both right now for, um, you know, my, our emails are like Mitchell at cxtcoffee.com right because people are more used to that format uh, so yeah i'm not sure we we are kind of using both at the moment but so here's see. a tip for yeah. from a nerd don't you have to decide which one is your main domain and use it every time everywhere no matter what because of the, your seo so now imagine that you know uh, Google picks you up on coffee and also.com. For them, you are two different companies. So now you're getting credibility on your .coffee domain and your .com, and you're splitting that credibility. Oh, I see. If you have only one domain, you can get it only on one domain. So for example, you know what's the domain on your Facebook account, right? Google checks, okay, maybe .coffee, maybe .com. What's your Twitter account, on Instagram account? What is in your Google, what did they call it, the Google business? You know, when, you know, so yep. it's super important that you have one domain and that's your main domain, mostly for SEO purposes, but also a little bit confusion because you already mentioned that, you know, some, you have to keep reminding people that which, you know, domain to use. And some people tell me that, oh yeah, but I'm forwarding the other one. Forwarding is not giving you SEO credibility. If you have a main domain and you forward other domains to it properly, that's cool, but use one domain. So it's crystal clear for Google that this is you and they always find you and you rank up high in the search. Now that's great, great feedback. Yeah, I think that's something um, we are, uh, as a company, realizing we have a bit of a gap in that uh, the SEO marketing type of side. So we'll be, focusing a lot of uh, attention to try to build that, especially in today's climate. I mean, you are not the only one. That's why I'm mentioning it. I just noticed that on on you. And uh, I think many people do that. And uh, I had to go through the same, by the way, Green Plantation. Um, our name it was usually, uh, our domain was greenplantation.sk. But then we realized Slovaks don't know how to spell <laughs> Green Plantation. So, you know, they spell it with one E or whatever. So it was a, wow. it was a hassle. So very early we changed into gp kava kava is a, a word in uh, means coffee in slovak.sk and it's super simple easy to remember and we're sticking to it so we don't uh, nice. other domains we don't even use we register them so nobody takes them away from us and make a fake green plantation but we don't even use them so we just kind of held them on 
have them on a ice would you can say yeah <laughs> all right exactly thank you so much so for uh joining us and i really enjoyed this interview this was great this was really fun no well, thank you i i enjoyed it as well hopefully there's some good information on it so uh, uh, we'll continue to learn and grow as a company and uh be looking forward to uh the new new roasting course on coffee pro oh thanks bye